I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Welcome back to our conversation on communication. I have Jess Carey and Noelle Rhodes here with me again today to talk about this important topic of active listening. Now, this is a super practical episode because we're going to talk skills, easy things that we can implement, and things we can stop doing in order to improve our communication. Hey, everybody. Hello. All right, so let's start off by explaining what active listening is. Okay, so when I think of active listening, I think the key word here is active. That means there is something that I am doing that is actually promoting listening. And I remember years ago, I learned there's a difference between listening and hearing. Which one's supposed to be the better one? Hearing or listening? Listening. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. no, Noel, no, nailed it it's listening, it's listening. okay it's listening good because okay. i was like did i just say that and that not make any sense okay so, all um, right listening we have a part to play when it comes to communication what do mm. you guys think about active listening well i i think it's the core to i mean it is the it is the absolute foundation of being heard and understanding others like yeah. it is it's the basic premise of it mm-hmm. and what like you know like you said you can hear like i could hear a plane you know flying over my house but i wasn't listening to it it was just mm-hmm. there as noise in the background That's good and how many times do our relationships kind of become noise in the background unless we participate in being intentional and being like okay i'm i'm listening i hear you mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, well, first of all, I've said this before, but I think at any point in your parenting, you can always improve on your communication skills and certainly with active listening. But I would encourage parents with young kids to start practicing their active listening, even when their kids are super little and maybe their words, that you don't know if they're speaking English to you, you know, they're just (laughs) saying things. You're modeling to them, you know, with with the different things we're going to kind of go through, what acting active listening looks like. So, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, I got a 18 month old who, you know, barely will say dada, you know, be encouraged. This is an opportunity for you to practice this with your, with your little one. And it will really pay off in the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a mentor mama who would like, when my kids were that age, you know, she, they would babble, you know, they were right. kind of just like, Who's that? Who's that again? you know, and they're telling her a story and she would just like, uh-huh. Wow. Like, and just yeah. give them all kinds of feedback. And I, I recognized when she, she modeled that for me, mm. I was like, Oh, my kids like lit up. Like they, I, I don't still don't know what they were saying, but right. you know, <laughs> but, but there was some sort of like exchange that happened and it encouraged them to continue to explore language. So I think that that's what you're talking about. And 
I don't think that goes away even as adults, you know, no, no. when someone's like bored and they're like out of the, they're side eyeing you in the conversation. <laughs> you're like, eh, never mind. I'm not even, I'm just going to stop. Right. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Totally. But when they're like, uh-huh, wow, that's so cool. And they're giving you all this feedback. You're like, yes, I'm telling this amazing story and they love me. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think this is something we can give a money back guarantee on. And in terms of like, yes. if you implement yeah. these things, you will see your relationships and your communication change. And I'm talking yeah. to myself. I'm reminding myself of this. You know, we we mm-hmm. talked in the previous episode about like, especially communication with our teens. And sometimes we want to stomp away and throw a pity party because it's not <laughs> de- going the way we thought it went. But I bet you if we implemented these things and not get, re- not feel rejected or get triggered, mm-hmm. if we actually stayed the course and continue to walk in these things that we're going to talk about today, I, I believe that, that it is possible to see a difference. And so these episodes are as much for you guys as they are for me to remind me mm-hmm. of what I can do better. I I think that there's three different times where active listening is really hard to do. One is when you don't know what the person's talking about, right? It's just going over your head and you're just, I mean, I definitely have that personality where I'm like checking out, you know, going, "Uh uh-huh, but I'm not digesting anything you're saying. The second time is if you're bored and you've got, you know, an eight-year-old going into high detail of Minecraft and things like that. You're like, I don't know, whatever. And then the third time is when you're disagreeing mm-hmm. and you're not seeing the thing on the same page or you're not, you know, it's really hard to stay active and present when you just want to make your case. So I'm glad that we're going to kind of go into the examples of bad mm-hmm. listening. But, you know, those are the three times for me personally, if I don't understand what you're talking about, if I'm bored and mm-hmm. it's not interesting to me. And when I'm in disagreement with you, but those are actually the points in which you really do need to, you know, with your children, with your spouse and people that you care about, you got to get, got to get over it and get through it. So Mm, that's good. I'll throw another one in there for me. One of my personal bad habits is like anticipating what someone's going to see or going to say. And it usually happens because I'm busy you know? And so we're all in this like massive time crunch as people. Yeah. And so you're just like, come on, give me the answer. Like, you know, and your child is trying, or someone is trying to tell you something and you're like, yeah, yeah, I already did it. And you fast forward, you know, three sentences beyond where you're at in the conversation, but that doesn't afford the other person, the opportunity to share. Yeah. You know, and, and even if you were right, right. And, and oftentimes, you know, especially with my kids, like I know what they're going to ask, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. You know, that's good. So yeah, Yeah. that's my bad habit in not really active listening. Yeah. (laughs) My bad habit is advising and not that I want to clarify this as parents, we are to advise, we are to guide all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I mentioned this in this last, the last episode. So if you haven't learned, listened to the first episode, you should. But Netflix has a culture policy and they talk about communication policy in there. And they talked about how every team has what they called an informed captain. And that's mm-hmm. who you take your disagreements or your ideas to. And as a parent, I think that we are the informed captains of our families. But I think what happens is your kid comes to you with a thing that they're talking to you about. Maybe a teacher was snippy or 
you know, they're worried that their friend's mad at them or something. And you immediately start to advise them kind of going off what you're saying, Jess, like anticipating what the next step should be because mm-hmm. you are the informed captive and you, you have some life experience. However, I do think that one of the things Netflix does is they say, okay, you present your case to your informed captain. They're going to collect all the data and then they're going to give you the solution going forward. And that's something I really want to do better at, especially as I'm parenting teenagers. Mm-hmm. Is listen to them and then take a moment, not necessarily always have to have the answer right there and then, but say, you know, I've heard what you've said. I'm going to think about this because this is really important to you. I'm going to get back to you. And and then if I feel like I need to advise or maybe what I need to do is confirm that they've done the right thing or just validate how they're feeling. But wow. I think because I'm the parent, I feel like I, I'm not a good parent unless I impart wisdom to you. But that's not necessarily, <laughs> you know, what we're called to do. We're called mm-hmm. to kind of be able to assess the situation as to what is needed. And what is needed is not always advice. Oh, that yeah, is so sure. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guilty of that too, just so you know. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Full confession really on hard the podcast to today. Yeah. I tried so hard to transition. Well, from the role of parent to advisor, but then understanding when I should advise. And I'm starting to mm-hmm. use like, you know, comments like, may I give you a suggestion? You know, may Ooh, I? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been helpful. I think that kind of like people are less defensive when you say that before you give your two cents. Mm. Yeah. One thing that I need would like to go do better at, which is not a great listening habit, is over relating. You know, every story that my friend has or yeah. my spouse has or my kids have, I don't need to be like, oh yeah. And when I did that too, and then you're sharing your story and all of a sudden the conversation becomes less about them, more about you, especially yeah. if they've come to you with something that's really heavy on their heart or that's really pressing and really big for them right now. And yeah. You want to just go into the, oh, well, when that happened to me and it's like, okay, thanks for that. It's sort of like a sneaky way of advising it. Mm. For me, it meets the need of like, it's like a false sense of connection, right? With them. Cause I'm like, oh, if I can just show them that I am there with them, maybe that will, I don't know. I'm like being super kind of exposed here. (laughs) But maybe that will make them like me more because I can relate to them. Or maybe they'll like think that, oh, okay, you know, you're cool too. Because it could be something really fun. Like, oh, that vacation I took when I went to Europe. You know what I mean? Like, am I trying to like jockey for social position? Am I just trying to, um, I don't know. My my motives aren't often super great. So (laughs) over relating. Have you seen that SNL skit, the the one-upper lady? Yeah. Oh. classic. So it's classic. such a classic. This is, if you want to know what over relating is and like, kind of like, yeah, in every capacity, watch that skit, the okay. one upper on Write it down so we can put it in the show notes. You have yourself a laugh, you know, and, and you'll just remind yourself, like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think over relating is something that everybody, everybody struggles with. Sure. And the motivation behind it could be a million things, but I think it's important it's especially when people are getting vulnerable with you and you're like, Oh, it reminds me of that story of that time, you know, just sit on it, you mm-hmm. know, like give them the and space, wait till they give ask them the space. Yeah. I do think though, I will say this, and I think this is important. You know, there is something about telling 
a friend, you know, all oh, my kids having this difficulty in school. I'm really worried listening to them and being like, you know, my kid had difficulty in school too once. And this is what we went through. There is something about mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. not feeling alone because somebody else has gone through something. Yeah. It's just being able to listen, you know, enough to know, is this one of those situations where me sharing the story mm -hmm. is going to make them feel encouraged that they're not the only mm -hmm. one, mm -hmm. or is it going to make them feel diminished mm -hmm. that they're not the only one, you know? That's good. So, yeah, I, I think everybody struggles with that, Kimberly. Yeah. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the expression, read the room, like what is needed mm -hmm. for that situation yeah. and in that yeah. time, which mm -hmm. for me is also something I'm learning to do when it comes to interrupting. So I have girlfriends that I'll talk with and we've got this vibe where like, she says something, I say something, she says something. And I try to do that with my husband and he's like, you're interrupting me. I'm like, no, I'm just adding like <laughs> color. And he's like, stop, <laughs> like the inter. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. Okay. Are you done? Are you done? Like, yeah. and so even like, we, you know, this even happened the other night. I mean, it happens with the two of us, but it even happened the other night. This is the hardest thing for me to do when we're with another couple and I'm, he's telling a story and I'm going to be like, and then this, and then, oh, and, and, and like, I want to add. And he's like, I'm like, okay, you're telling the story. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a home where we just talk over each other. And it's funny because I I now raising a child with hearing loss. You can't do that because he's like, I can't hear anybody. One at a yeah. time, people, you know? <laughs> so it has helped that way. But yeah, like naturally, I'm like always interrupting, just talking over people. It's terrible. I'm working mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. I think for me, the interrupting, like I, I, everybody does it. You know, I don't think that this is, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Extreme introverts are very good at not interrupting. Like oh, this is- I don't understand their... those people. I was like, this is one of their ninja skills. <laughs> That's it what is. I got to say about that. <laughs> um, you know, well, it's so usually paired with great introvert. empathy. Sorry, yes. there I go interrupting yeah. you. But, but it's so <laughs> true. Like it, Wonder it really twins, is. right? The, the introvert yeah. and the empathy because they, they yeah. quite frankly, are happy to listen to what you have to say. Although, yeah. let me tell you a bit, this is a side pet peeve. You know, those people who are talking <laughs> in the middle of the sentence, they'll just stop to think about what they're going to say more. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, you know, they'll, they'll say something like, yeah, the other day I, I saw her and she looked a little bit sad. And I thought to myself. And they take a really long pause. <laughs> and I'm like, are they done? <laughs> Are they done? Can I say something without sounding yeah. like a jerk? But yeah. then just about to, and then they like finish their sentence. Cannot yeah. stand that. You got to look, people. Just short. don't leave us on the cliff edge because no. we will just jump right into it. that gap. <laughs> it's give and take. Let it be a nice flow. That's that's mm -hmm. all I'm asking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that leads us to like, what does good active <laughs> listening look like? <laughs> Let's help our people out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, so, Noelle. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> See, look at oh, we're the interrupting twins. Okay. Me and Kimberly. All right. So, uh, Noelle, yeah, go ahead. Body language, yes. body posture. Yeah. You talked, you've talked before about your, in the last episode, right? About yeah. having yeah. the body language with your child and the facial yes. expressions because you really need to emphasize. So, you speak to this and tell us yes. some examples and why it's important. Yeah. So just a bit of context. My oldest child has a hearing loss and without his hearing, he can't hear anything. So he really relies on body language and, and facial expressions to, you know, give context to what he's reading off your lips because he's reading your lips. So it's so important. And, and he will say, it's interesting. 
because he's so good at this, I can say something, but he can immediately understand the motivation behind what I'm saying because he's reading wow. my body language. So he'll walk in into the house and I'll, he'll say, hey, mom. And I'll look at him and go, hey, you know, and he'll be like, you're tired. You look tired. You're slouched wow. over like this. You're, you're, you know, he, he can, that's just because of the nature of his disability has actually really strengthened this part of him. So one of the things I, I do work on this with my kids is when they're going after like, you know, something like they really want, or they're going to give a presentation. Of course, we talk about your body language, you know, look excited, look happy. But this actually even works if you're trying to make new friends, like mm -hmm. you're going to make new friends. There's actually a certain way that you should stand like standing open, not having your arms crossed like this, not having something in your hand. And we, at a very young age, would like role play that stuff like weirdos because they didn't, my son needed to do it for his hearing loss, but it really actually benefit benefited my daughter as well. And so, yeah, they really are very aware of, of body language and facial expression and what people are really saying. They may be mm -hmm. saying one thing, but their mm -hmm. body is actually communicating something completely different. So as parents, we do this when we, when our kids are talking to us and we're tired, we're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Sure, you know, and we're not actually being active in mm. listening and, and sitting down, giving the eye contact, leaning in, keeping ourselves open so that they know that we really do want to hear what they have to say. It takes a lot of intention. It yeah. really does. But when you do it, and Kimberly, you said this, it's like money back guaranteed. It really does pay yeah. off mm -hmm. and your kids will learn to do the same. Right. Well. Yeah. So another like part of that, just to piggyback on that is, is your facial expression being yeah. aware of what your face is saying? And I think sometimes like we could just get into a moment and we're responding to someone and our face is saying something very different than mm -hmm. what our heart intention is. Yeah. And, you know, I've had to offer a little bit of feedback to people in my family where it's like, they'll respond. And I'm like, would you like to rephrase and reshape what is on your face before yeah. you respond? Yeah. Because, you know, like what's coming out is, is a yes, is a, a, a positive response, but everything else is not nice. Um, yeah. My mom actually played this little game with us as kids. And maybe that's why I became an actress. I don't know, but <laughs> But she would, she would yell out these emotions, like, and then all of us, it was me and a bunch of my cousins that would play this game. And then we would try to make that facial expression to the best of our ability. Yeah. But, and it wasn't just like happy, sad. My mom did the gamut. She was like scared, excited, annoyed, frustrated, right, irritated. You know, she would cho choose all these different words. And then we would try to give that expression and how cool was that as a little kid? Like I was already learning how to use all that my face offered to tell people where I was at. And, you know, that's, it's one sure. of the things that is, is a blessing and a curse mm. <laughs> because I can't hide yeah. what I'm actually thinking. Like yeah. my face just gives me away. <laughs> but I think that is really, really important when we're listening to someone is to take all that their body and their face is saying into what we're receiving and how we're interpreting that. Mm -hmm. So good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. I was the, as you were talking, I was like, she's an actress. Oh my gosh. That's why she's so good at this. Cause I've spent time with you and you do feel <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she's really into what I'm saying. Like she's engaged yes. she's here. She's present. And I, I'm not like my, my husband will say, I don't like your face. And I'm like, that's not very nice to say, but you know what he's really telling me is like, what you're saying is not really what you're feeling. And so, oh, I love that. That's a great exercise to do with kids, especially if you find yourself waiting in line for something or needing to distract them, waiting for dinner. What you could do is have your kids, one person has to make the face and the other kids have to guess what emotion that is. So good. They're learning how to read emotions. Anyways, that's a good idea. We also do like people watching where we tell, you know, we're like, we watch people and we're like, what's the story? What's happening? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's always really fun. And it's, it's actually less confrontational sometimes. Mm. Like then if you're trying to do it between family members so that you can see like, okay, how emotionally intelligent are we? Mm. Are we picking up on those little nuances? And sometimes in the context of that will add to the story. And you're like, oh, I didn't catch that. But yes, I saw that little annoyed mm-hmm. moment. Right. And someone will bring like a story to it. So I love that. That's it's really fun. good. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. And it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just felt like thinking of all the places I could do that. So I would add eliminating distractions now more than ever before. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- I think tech is going to come up in every conversation we have, especially about communication, because yeah. in many yeah. ways it has fostered communication, but it's also inhibited as well. And, you know, I'll oftentimes be doing something and my my kids will start talking to me. My husband will start talking to me and I'm in the middle of something on my phone and I'm like, mm, and I have to learn to like, put it down use the body language, yeah. turn and face them and like give them my attention because there is a tendency to want to just keep doing what you're doing because you hear them. You're probably not listening, but you hear them. And I think mm-hmm. that it goes both ways yeah. in the sense that, you know, like my husband tried talking to me the other day and I was like, I'm actually watching something. Like, if you'd like my attention, can you get my attention? And not just assume <laughs> like, granted, it was Instagram and it was a reels, but it was like one of these like speeches that was like, you know, a couple of minutes, like it was good. It was like good stuff. And there wasn't you were assumption into on, it. You were into yeah, it. Kate. Yeah. And it's there was good. assumption on his part that I was just scrolling and that he could interrupt me at any time. And so I think that mm-hmm. there's you know, another opportunity to read the room. Right. Hey, when you have a sec and I'll say, okay, okay. Just give me a couple more minutes. You know, mm-hmm. we can, on both sides of the conversation, we can eliminate distractions in order to communicate better. So, you know, That's I good. think a good, a good habit like the phones, you know, like I, I try to do a really good job of like not, and I'm not criticizing anybody, but like the phone isn't on the 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 table when I'm out to eat with mm-hmm. a friend. It's in my purse. It's away because even though it's on the table and even though it's flipped over, it's still a distraction. There's still that mm-hmm. sense of, well, I want to pick it up or there's like this, you know, maybe something's happening or when like, you know, my friend has to go to the bathroom. It's like, <gasps> Let me, let me, let me see what's going on. Like eliminating right. that need, getting out of that habit to be constantly connected. Um, you know, it's, we can break it, right. We can break these cycles mm-hmm. and and say, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look past you and pay attention to what's going on behind you. I'm going to pay attention to mm-hmm. you. And so, you know, maybe that takes, especially for us when we're in, maybe in a boring conversation with our young child, yeah. even like ter- facing in such a way that there is nothing in our eye view that's going to 
that's going to draw our attention somewhere else. I mean, mm-hmm. I hate, hate when we go to a restaurant and there's TVs there for no reason. I mean, it doesn't Everywhere. matter if like, I'm not interested in the, in it, if I don't know yeah. what's going on, there's no sound. I will look, I'll look up and I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I doing? I have people sitting in front of me. What's going on over there doesn't matter. And so that's a pet peeve of mine. So if you have to go to a restaurant and you have to ask for the table, that's nowhere near the TV, like that's worth doing. Mm-hmm. My kids, you know what the, I, sorry, go ahead, Noel. I was going to say, my kids do have a bad habit though. Like I'll be texting tr- my husband something, you know, and they'll be like, mom, 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 mom. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let me finish this text message. Cause I can't listen and text at the same time. That's just not possible for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll yeah. say, let me finish this text message so I can give you my full attention. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put it away. But I do think you're right. I do that too. Like someone, my husband could be in mid, you know, talking, sending an email to his boss or something like that. And I'm like, hello, I'm here. But it's not <laughs> like he's purposely ignoring me. He's yeah. actually in the middle of doing something. So I think it's a really good tip that you gave of just guiding people, like having a communication policy. Okay, when mom is on the phone, put your hand on my you know, shoulder and mm-hmm. tap me and, I'll, and then I'll let you know when I can give you my full attention and then make sure that you give your child the full attention but mm-hmm. it is it's both ways you know it's yeah. there's times where we just we can't expect everyone to give us their attention at every single moment that we want it you know mm-hmm. yeah did you I guys did- grow up in households where you know you had the phone that was like anchored to the wall right yeah yeah okay yeah. good and if your parent was on the phone in my house if my parent was on the phone that was like a no tap no talk zone yeah like yeah I am with someone else. Like that yeah. is what was yes. relayed. I think the problem with today is that we're always connected yeah. to something else at all times. Like, so there's yeah. no good, clear moment to grab someone's attention. So I love Noel that you said, it's like, give me one minute. And then you, you give that attention, but you have to be really disciplined to do that, you know, yeah. and your kids have to be really disciplined and being patient and waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a learning curve for sure. Oh, Kimberly, whenever you were talking about the screens in restaurants. So here's an interesting thing. Really fancy restaurants don't have TVs. Yeah. Most of them, unless it's in the bar, right? Like, so the right. bar will have a, have the a TV or whatever. TV, yeah. But like for the most part, if you're going to a super high end, like bougie place, no TVs there. There's no TVs there. And that's why people do business there because they have someone's full attention. Yeah. That's a good point. Interesting. Our our, club where we're members of, we eat there often and they do have TVs. And I'm always like, why would it, this is a nice enough place that you don't need Mm -hmm. them. That's not what you want people to come here for. But yeah, no, you're right. There's a cafe. Sorry, there's a cafe in my neighborhood. They don't have Wi-Fi in the cafe. And it says, we don't have Wi-Fi. Talk to each other like it's 1994. Oh, oh my gosh. Goodness. That's I so love good. this place. I love it. What's the name yeah. of this place? Carver's. Carver's. If I come yeah. visit you, I'm going there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you want to do your goodness. work, bring a notepad and a pencil and a pen because oh, you're actually goodness. way more creative yeah. when you can have like that, <laughs> that, that, that free flow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Noelle, you mentioned that thing about like tap me on the shoulder or like, you know, let me know. One of the things that we did was the same concept. Put your hand on my arm and then I put my hand on your hand to let you know, like I acknowledge you to let you know, I know you're waiting for me and that, yeah. you know, I will get to you. Yeah. And I and I think that 
this is an example of where overcommunication is really beneficial. Like literally mm-hmm. taking the time to say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking again, my husband, hey, babe, I really need to, this is a time sensitive mess text. Can I, I'd like to just stop for a moment to take care of that as opposed to like thinking you can slide it in. Like go right. through the motions, right. say the things right. you need to say, you know, can can you just wait a moment? Can I, fin- you know, can I yeah, finish what, that's good. Know, whatever. Over communicate sometimes is really, really beneficial to our communication. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are some additional techniques I'd like to talk about. So these are kind of we're going to get into the practical things, yes. like right. Okay, yes. let's do it. So one of them, <laughs> and I've tried this in different ways. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it backfires. <laughs> Try not to talk to my husband too much in this podcast. We've acknowledged that we have all communicate different communication styles, right? Um, yes. <laughs> but, but repeating back what was said. Our introverts who are amazing empathizers, they are so good at this. But it's good to say, okay, do I have this correct? Did I hear what you yeah. said? Am I am I getting the gist of where you're going with this? Because yeah. it's too easy to jump to conclusions, assume we know where someone's going with the conversation, wait, did I hear this correctly? Did you mean to say that you're saying, and, you know, and, and repeating back can feel tedious, but if you're again, Mm -hmm. in these deeper, more important relationships with people, it is worth that effort. So good. So good. Yeah. And I think that repeating back what someone said at first, if you're not accustomed to that habit can feel really awkward. Like it Mm -hmm. can feel so awkward because it it can almost like, this is how I equate it. If you're a bright person and you're like, you're used to fast paced conversation, kind of like slowing the conversation down to clarify can feel almost like the conversation gets lethargic. Yeah. But mm-hmm. actually what it does is it speeds up your ability to, to communicate more clearly. Mm-hmm. And so just get, just be okay with awkward at first. You know, when my, when my husband and I, we coach marriage prep. So couples that are serious minded and getting ready to get married. And this is one of the activities that we have them do. We have them sit knee to knee and face to face. Cause like eye contact, right. That's one of the big things about active listening is to give someone eye contact. That's going to give you all that facial expression that you need, but we have them sit knee to knee and we'll have them pick a topic that has been hard for them to talk about. Mm. And so we have them open a conversation about this topic and then do this repetitive exercise. Mm. And we we have them do it on their own at first. And then we come and observe. And the number of times that we have had to say, oh, time out, where they finished, you know, that interrupting mm. thing. And then did so in rather than just saying exactly what they said. What we want you to do is to say it in your own words, how you are understanding what they said, Mm -hmm. because that's most of the time, that's where the miscommunication happens. You heard the actual words, but you interpreted it totally differently. And so, yeah, that's part of the active listening is like what I'm hearing you say is, or what I think you're saying is whatever. Mm. And yeah, the amount of times where they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was amazing. Like we were, <laughs> we actually were on the same page and we're like, yes, you were, you just were yeah. not yeah. communicating well. 
So yeah, that's why I love active listening, even when it's awkward. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Even what you're saying too, I think it's important, like when you're kind of repeating back to to be mindful how you say that. Like you can't mm-hmm. say, Well, you're saying this. No, it's better to say what I heard you say is yeah. blank. Am I correct? Or what I'm hearing you say. So mm-hmm. you're kind of taking the responsibility of what you heard. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're wrong, <laughs> then there's good space to have dialogue about that. But I think asking clarifying questions is always good. And so, you know, especially when you're talking with a ch- with a child, and I think, again, I want to always bring it back to the littles because I think we can kind of think, oh, this only applies to big kids and, mm-hmm. and adults. But when you're talking to a little child, you know, even a toddler, clarifying questions are hugely important just so you can get the right information. Right. And, <laughs> you know, okay, Billy hit you where did he, when did this happen? You know, and then you find out it happened two weeks ago, you know, and <laughs> they hit you, they, they barely hit you, you know, but I do think kind of getting to the practice as a parent of asking more questions. Tell me more about that. How did you feel? What did you learn? Is there anything else you want me to know? I think it's really, really important to do that. It's awkward. And I, I love that you said that Jess, because it is awkward it never feels comfortable and i think you know we kid ourselves to think that it ever gets you know super easy to do because every stage is a new level it's almost like a new little person you're dealing with and so there's new awkwardness to push through yeah but the more you do it the more you get comfortable with the awkwardness and you're just like okay it's just this is just weird but we're going to keep pushing through so i think asking clarifying questions is super critical and it will feel weird but you just got to do it you just have yeah. to do it yeah. Yeah. We've we've touched on this already, but you know, the using verbal cues. So you so saying things like, can I finish my thought? Or can mm-hmm. I add something to this or to that? I think that those are, let's face it, we are we are going to be, even if we learn all of these skills, we're going to be in conversation with people that have bad skills. So let's just yeah. say someone is interrupting you. You can say, Hey, can I finish my thought? you know, Mm -hmm. before we launch Mm -hmm. into the, oh, you always do this to me or Mm -hmm. or shutting down and then never sharing. I can, I can think of a situation that comes to mind where you cut, you can get conditioned to never sharing a ton because you know, they're going to interrupt you anyways, Mm -hmm. with their two cents. And so you give them the cliff notes. And then, so your relationship is based on you giving them the cliff notes and them launching into a soapbox speech. So like, Mm -hmm. it's okay Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, can I, can I finish my thought? Or even things we talked about, hey, could you put that down so you, I can finish talking to you? So learning how to gracefully stop and redirect and shift mm-hmm. the way we want the conversation to go. I think that that's definitely a talent, but a skill that I think we can all learn. Mm. Yeah. And I think you have to have a communication policy in your your family. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it feels silly, but I think you do need to have rules of engagement, mm-hmm. you know, laying down some things or just understanding like, and I always bring it back to the toddlers. That's where they learn this kind of stuff is when they're undone, they didn't get the ice cream they wanted for breakfast and they're communicating to you in a poor way about what, what you know. There's their disappointment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the point where you start to teach them. And again, you could teach them in a moment. Okay, you're disappointed. This is how we're going to handle 
these kind of conversations. This is how I'm going to model active listening in these moments. And when there's interruptions or another sibling pipes in their two cents, saying, okay, no, she's she's talking now, she's sharing her full feelings right. and she'll let us know when she's done. It's again, just going over what is the family communication culture and having an understanding of that is going to create that safety and security that we want our teens to have when there's a real issue they need to come to you. Mm -hmm. If every time your toddler has a tantrum and you're shutting them down going, what are you crying for? Just listen to me. Stop talking. You know, you're just tired. Go to your room. I don't want to see you till you stop crying. Mm -hmm. You're teaching your child that they can't ever communicate with you about how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's really important at a young age to start these communication policies and systems because it's going to create this that space that you want them to come to you when they disagree with you about something that you've put in place or there's something going on at school. And of course, there's reasons why our teens shut down. They have nothing to do with that. But if yeah. you're if you've gotten a very clear communication policy that they know they can come to you without judgment and you're going to engage with them with active listening, you have a better shot at knowing what's going on in their life. Yeah. And that's just reality. I hate to lay it on you like that, but that is the reality. Yeah. That's really, really good. good. I think also, like you said, laying ground rules, even for a like a moment of conversation. So especially with the over talkers or, you know, people that just like, they don't take a breath, but you still have to be in relationship with them. So I have family members that I'm like, oh man, like I don't, I don't have 45 minutes right now to have this long drawn out. I don't care about conversation. And yet I want to be in relationship with that person. And I want to touch base them. I want to say, how are you doing? I will preempt the conversation with, Hey, I just wanted to stop in or I just wanted to call. I've got about 10 minutes until I arrive at such and such meeting. Right. How are you? Yeah. You know, because that it 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 prevents offense. Yeah. You know, especially mm, with good. people that you know their communication dynamic. That's just laying the groundwork to say, okay, I'm still gonna have this conversation. I'm gonna do my best. But then I know that I have a hard deadline that I get I have an out. <laughs> And so sometimes with people in our lives yeah. that we want to have healthy communication with, but have some bad habits, we can kind of superimpose some rules beforehand that help us get through, you know, those little moments. Yeah. So I love that you said that. Set the ground, it's like good. lay the groundwork, you know? Yeah. It's good. That's really good. That's like bonus, <laughs> bonus material. We're getting, what do you do when yes. you talk to somebody who is not a great communicator? Yeah. All right. So do you guys have any personal stories about how you've shifted your habits and it's changed the culture of your home? Yeah. I mean, I had two kids that threw tantrums when they were little. I did not have children that were, they were, they're not introverts. Very young age, they shared how they felt <laughs> in loud, obnoxious ways. And so very early on, I had to make a decision. What are we going to do about this? Because they're little, they don't have that language to, to discourse and I joked about the ice cream for breakfast, but that was a real thing mm. with my daughter. And she had to be too, and she was devastated and deeply offended that we were not letting her have ice cream for breakfast and threw a major tantrum in front of a bunch of people that I, you know, wanted to impress. And so I had to it was one of those moments in parenting where like, you know, that obviously God exists and guides you because I did not have that emotional capacity to deal with that well, but in that moment. 
And I just right, okay. <laughs> I walked over to her. She's straight down on the floor. I mean, like kicking her leg, screaming ice cream. And I said, Olive, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry not, to laugh. This is I just know. such a real moment. <laughs> I true. can see it so good. I literally, I spoke to her like an adult because I just, I, I didn't speak to her like a little kiss. Olive, you seem disappointed right now. As if uh, I, I acknowledge her body <laughs> posture. She said, I, I am. I, I want ice cream. And I said, I know all of us probably want ice cream for breakfast, but we eat food at breakfast time that fuels our body. Ice cream is a treat thing. So I took a moment to teach. Mm-hmm. Like, why mm-hmm. am I saying no to this? I'm not just saying no. Yeah. She still wasn't listening. It wasn't like she was like, oh, that's a good point, mother. But I said to her, <laughs> He's still crying. Everyone's watching me. And I said, we eat food that, you know, fuels our body. Ice cream's a treat thing. And we're going to get ice cream on Saturday when we go to the park. And that's when we have ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, and she kept on crying, kept on carrying on. I said, you seem really disappointed. And it doesn't seem like you want to talk right now. Why don't you go into your room and take some time? So she, I literally picked her up and put her in her room. And she mm-hmm. carried on for what felt like days, but it was probably 15 minutes, just mm-hmm. lamenting over ice cream. And, you know, I I remember an older mom was there and she just said to me, she's just dealing, she's learning how to tell you that she's disappointed. Mm-hmm. And you took the time to listen to her in that little moment. And anyways, we I walked back into the room when she stopped crying and I said, you sound like you're a lot, you're feeling a little bit better. You want to talk about it. And, you know, she was like, I'm really disappointed, but I'm, you know, I really want ice cream. And I said, okay, on Saturday. And we kind of left it at that. It's interesting now though, as a, as a 14 year old, she's at this point though, and this is what I'm trying to get at. She definitely disagrees with things that I've decided for mm-hmm. her because mm-hmm. I'm the informed captain of the family, mm-hmm. right? That's Me right. and my husband. So, but now it's interesting. I mean, thank God she's not throwing herself on the floor and crying, but she knows that she can express her disappoint- disappointment. Mm-hmm. And she came into the room recently and was like, mom, I would like to express my disappointment about a decision you made. <laughs> and I'd also like to make my case as to why I think you should reconsider. And, you know, that is, that's partly her personality, but also because this is what we've always practiced. That really I never good. said to her, you're just doing it because I said so. Mm-hmm. Or what are you crying for? Or you're just the kid. I'm the adult. I know better. Shut up. I've always tried to give them that space and listened to it so that they know they can come to me. And I don't do many things well in parenting. And I'm, I will freely admit that. And this really, I I happened on this communication goal because I had to because of my son. But I can tell you, if you start to practice at any point in your parenting, mm-hmm. you will develop this culture where your kids will feel safe to tell you things that they're afraid to tell you because of how you'll react. But if they mm-hmm. know that you're going to listen to them and you're going to consider what they have to say, there's a, there is hope, you know? And mm-hmm. so she disagrees with me all the time. she tells me, mm-hmm. um, but she knows that she can and that we can make a path forward from what she's sharing. So that's my story. I mean, mm-hmm. she still probably want ice cream for breakfast. Yeah. And, Who yeah. wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Would. Yeah, exactly. Give me some butter pecan up in this place. Let's do it. Mm. Yeah. I have a very, on that, it's kind of like with my daughter, she was going through a very tough season and 
there wasn't much communication, you know, and I think that sometimes over time as children get older and they get more independent and they kind of separate themselves from you, but I was intentionally observing her. Mm. And so I think as a parent and as family, like you want to encourage good communication and active listening. Well, active listening, sometimes actually taking the temperature of where your child is at, yeah, like emotionally. And I knew that something wasn't right with her. Mm. And I, I sensed it for like several weeks and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I'd asked like leading questions to try <laughs> to get it out of her. But none of that was working. Like, she's like, no, I'm fine. You know, one word answers. I'm good. It's okay. You know, whatever. And then I just observed. I told her what I saw in her. Mm -hmm. So this is another thing in active listening is to just tell them what you're seeing. So like you said to Olive, when she's little, you say, it looks like you're disappointed, right? So, you know, my daughter is older. She's 14, almost 15. And I just said to her, I said, honey, it just seems like you're sad and you're having a hard time not being sad. Mm, And that was all I needed to say. Yeah, Mm. That broke open the door. Just me saying those simple words. I mean, everybody knows what it looks like to be sad, but it's like, she couldn't, she didn't feel like she could tell us that she was sad and she was having a hard time getting over Mm. being sad. Yeah. You know, and so that was when there was like great revelation. We had a really long conversation and I was able to then get her what she needed Mm. to have the tools to overcome that like prolonged season of sadness. Mm. And, you know, that's still a work in progress, but I think that that's also actively listening to your children. It's like that part of it is also really important. So good what you did because you gave her the language of what she was feeling, Mm -hmm. but you couldn't do that unless you were observing. Right. And even as adults, you know, you ever talk to somebody and you share something with them and then they do the clarifying question and then they say, this is what I hear. And they say it in a way that you're, you couldn't express for yourself. And you're like, yes, "Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what I'm talking about. And you feel very relieved and understood. Yes. Wow. That's really powerful that you were able to do that. So cool. That's God's grace. Hey, you're like, just like your mommy heart is there and you're like, how do I help my child? Yeah. (laughs) And you get those little eye-opening moments. So good stuff. Yeah. You know, even as I was listening to you guys talk, I was thinking about, you know, so I'm not going to share a story. I'm going to share a little tangent, a little spiritual tangent. tangent. I, I think that sometimes as Christians, we feel like we can't express our disappointment with God and our anger with Mm -hmm. him. And it may Mm -hmm. be because we've grown up in homes where we were told just to get over it. And there was no Mm -hmm. space for us to share what it is that we were experiencing. So if we can just imagine that God is the ultimate active listener and that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the communications that we styles that we have in our home, we have the potential to either point them to a loving father or point them to a distracted, frustrated, you know, unempathetic father, right? And mm-hmm. so how we interact with our kids and how we communicate with them, I think can be a mirror or 100%. can, like, that's not the right expression, but a mirror, but like they make assumptions about their heavenly father yes. because of the way we communicate with them. And I, and I know that feels like 
you know, kind of feels a little heavy, like a tall order, like not <laughs> tense. big boots to step into, but you know, you're teaching, True, you're teaching, yeah. like you said, Olive, that she can be disappointed and she can tell you mm-hmm. she's disappointed without having to have your wrath, you know, go into some, some, you know, speech about how she should be grateful for what she has. And we're going to get ice cream on Saturday and you just need to get over it. And you're so spoiled. Yeah. That is not what our heavenly father says to us when we bring our feelings and our emotions to him. And so how are we cultivating in our children hearts that can be vulnerable and yeah. can, can express themselves fully? Yeah, I mean, look at the Psalms, man. David was vulnerable oh, yeah. and always expressing disappointment. <laughs> yeah. He was like, mm-hmm. Lord, kill them all that are taking me off, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's in our, it's in our Bible. I, I yeah. think you bring up a really, yeah. really important thing, Kimberly. That's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I, mean, I love that that example is in the Word, too, that, it, that it's okay that we wrestle with God. Multiple characters in the Word wrestled mm-hmm. with God. Yeah. And so... If that's something like you're, you feel God's displeasure in your life, right? And that's what you always, you had this idea. It's like, why not go to him and just say, why are you so upset at me? Yeah. What? Then you practice your active listening with someone who's not face to face with you. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother level (laughs) of active listening right there. Yes. But I guarantee you, I've, I've done that. I have sat before the Lord and said, why are you displeased with me? And, and the Lord was just so patient and he's like, what gives you the impression that I am displeased? Mm. So then he's having me do some soul searching. Like, why do I have that hang up? You know, is it a lack of obedience? Do I have some unrepentance? Like whatever that might be. So it's just, it's good. Wrestle with God. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) He can handle it. (laughs) Yes. Especially when we have the right tools, we can wrestle well. Like the outcome is going to be goodness. It's going to be connection. It's going to be creating an atmosphere of safety and trust as opposed to, you know, allowing resentment and bitterness to take root. So Kimberly, just on that, like what are some of the tools that you leverage in like your spiritual journey with this situation? Like how would, how do you do it? Well, journaling has been amazing for me because it just, I can write anything I want, you know, and I don't Mm -hmm. feel like, I mean, I think that's like, that was step one for me just because there's still a part of me that doesn't want to say it out loud. It doesn't want to be like, God, you know, like have to talk (laughs) with him. But, um, you know, I can write things down. And I did grow up in a house where I was, my feelings and emotions were like, shut down often, you know, like man Mm -hmm. up, pull up the bootstraps, like get over it. Yeah, And I still, you know, me and my husband are working on communication. I need space to share what I'm feeling. You know, even if you can't relate mm-hmm. to it, even if you know the answer to it, I need to just be able to express myself. And so I'm just, I've been learning to do that through journaling, but also as I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing the Bible recap for the second time. I love the host, Tara Lee Cobble. She always brings it back to like the character of God. Like you have to understand the character and the heart of God in order to be able to understand the stories that you're reading. And so just leaning into like, okay, who is God? And let that be my guiding truth. And so if I understand God as a loving, active, listening father, then my response to him is going to be so much different than if if I think he's going to shut me down or think me foolish or not care. So true. 
All right. So I have a resource for you guys sharpening your listening skills. So this is the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast, which I love. It's episodes 14 and 15, which again, we'll link to in our listening notes. But, you know, he, you know, it's, he's speaking in terms of leadership. And if you are a leader of an organization in the workplace or such, but it all applies. These principles underlie organizations, ministries, family. And so if you want to hear some more good stuff on practical skills, practical takeaways, that's a good place mm-hmm. to go. That's good. Love that. All right. Out. Yeah. All right. Anything else you can think of before I challenge our listeners with a coaching question this week? Challenge them. Challenge them. Okay. <laughs> go for it. Let's be honest with ourselves and let's write down, decide, share with somebody what is the specific area that you need to do work on when communicating. And I can, Mm. I can already, if I share this with somebody, I'm going to be accountable for it. (laughs) So if I tell my kids, (laughs) I'm like, ho hum, okay, do I want to do that? You know, if I let my husband know, I'm going to stop interrupting him. I'm really going to have to work on that. So, you know, if you want to take it to the next level, I think step one is identifying it. Step two would be share it with somebody. And, you know, your friend that you're in deep relationship with and community with, they can hold you accountable and call you out. But like pick a specific area. Like it's good to listen Mm -hmm. to this podcast and then think of, oh, I'm just going to be a better communicator. But what if you take one habit at a time and start to work on that habit and be mindful of that when you enter into conversation? So good. That's really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. All right. So join us back here for our next two podcasts in the series are on communication between parents and kids, and then also navigating difficult conversations. Are you looking to build a strong and meaningful family culture? One that will bring your family closer together and help everyone reach their full potential? Then you need to check out my Four Habits of Happy Families free download. This free resource addresses the four issues I hear most from parents I coach. This resource will help you yell less and connect more, create memories that will last a lifetime, say yes to the things that matter and no to the things that don't, and stop doubting your parenting choices. Just go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash happy family or follow the link in the show notes.